0: This is August 23rd, and this is the Bruins beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinofsky. Hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. And this week, because it is the end of August and there is not a lot of current news to talk about, I figured why not start taking a look towards uh, the beginning of uh, the 2022-23 season. And as you guys have you guys know, who Subscribe to Bruins Ringside on YouTube and watch my videos, which I appreciate very, very much. One thing you're noticing is expectations videos for certain players. So today I figured I'd do a ton of players with Connor and I do sort of the top players on the team. Your true Spurs are on Brad Martian and so on and so forth. So we get into expectations for all of those guys. What they should be doing this year as well, not just expectations, but where they should be at in their careers and what the Bruins need them to be at this year. So an interesting episode. I, I, I think you will very much enjoy it, as hopefully you always do. Uh, so without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up?
1: Evan, I'm doing well. How you doing?
0: Doing great? Doing great. I am fresh off of Bill Burr on Sunday night. Went to Bill Burr. Oh yeah, at Fenway. It was quite the experience. Uh, I there were no pictures or videos taken because it was my phone had to go in a nice little uh, pouch that they make you uh, they make you put it in that you can't unlock. Mm -hmm. So getting out of Fenway it was a mess because I imagine because there were only like a few people with the magnets to unlock it. So it looked like a press scrum around all these poor. Like Fenway workers, that you know, it's like everyone just had their phone out like this, you know, and in the pouch. It was, it was uh, quite the experience, but it was good. It was a fun show. He was great. Um, I as understand. Advertised. Yes. Very as advertised. I understand why the phone went in the pouch.
1: Yes. <laughs> I,
0: Shocking. I like five minutes and I totally was like, Oh, I, this probably shouldn't be on camera.
1: <laughs> I, I always get very frazzled when they do that. I went to uh, John Mulaney. I think it was at the Wilbur theater uh last November, I want to say. And like, I knew going into it, they were probably going to like have like a no phone area, but it's like, as soon as you walked in, they had like those pouches, you grab your phone and do it. So, and I'm just sitting there. And then like a minute before he goes on stage, I'm like, shit, I definitely didn't silence my phone. So if like all of a sudden my phone starts buzzing. <laughs> if it's like you, a tie, or someone like just like uh, texting me or something, I'm going to get called out. John is going to just call me out, ruin it. So I then like ran downstairs and like just like pretty much put it in the like, coat check. I was like, this is going to be buzzing. It's not going to be when I'm on when I'm uh, in, the, in the middle of the theater or anything like that. So it's kind of frazzled me when, when those things happen.
0: Oh, yeah. No, it, it was it was one thing I had, too, because we went into this little like uh, like restaurant in Fenway, like a like pre club because we knew someone and we go in and they I didn't realize they were going to do this. They just took my phone immediately and put it in the pouch. And I was like, yes. I also don't know if I silenced my phone. Uh, I wanted to kind of check it one last time. Didn't get to do it. I was happy, though, because I was like, at least I know there's no Bruins news coming. Like, there's no yes. way there's any Bruins news. unless like they trade for Milan Lucic. Which everybody seems to be, you know, wondering about. But unless they do that, that's not. There's nothing else going to happen on a Sunday night um, in the middle of August. So I was like, I think I'm safe. There's no news. Nothing on Twitter is going to happen that I'm going to like really miss. So uh, it was a fun time, though. Good time. Very expensive tickets, but but really fun. So uh, good night out with with friends. Uh, but so one thing that uh, we. Obviously, there's not a ton to talk about with the Bruins right now. As I said, there's not a lot of recent news to break down. So I've been doing this thing. Maybe you've seen it uh, at Warrior. Expectations videos for players uh, going into the 2022-23 season. And so far, I've done a a fair amount. I've done DeBrusque, which we'll touch on in this episode. I've done uh, Mark McLaughlin. I've done uh, Hampus Lindholm. Uh, Charlie Coyle, David Krejci, who we'll also get to in this episode, but I haven't, I, Krejci and DeBrusca were really the only two like big guys I've, I've hit on and same with Hampus Lindholm. Um, but in this episode, I want to get to the big guns, the big guns of expectations. you Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, David Posternock, Charlie McAvoy. Um, we're going to do Krejci again, because I want to get your take on Krejci. We've talked about a lot about him, but what is, you know, what is he actually going to maybe do? What do you expect? Jeremy Swayman, Linus Olmark. Jake DeBrusque again, and baby and myself throw that one little curveball in there because the World Juniors have been playing so well uh, that you know it, I, we have to talk about him. So expectations wise for Patrice Bergeron, I believe back a few weeks ago or months, I it, the summer blends together, but I believe I said Bergeron was due for somewhat of a regression this year, just given he's older. Like this is not uh, a Hot take. I'm going to get killed for it, as I always do. But what do you think? What what do you? What's realistic out of Bergeron this year?
1: Yeah, it, it's kind of a, a tricky situation with Bergeron because I think, as you said, the common sense, you look at the amount of mileage that he's kind of tacked on, uh, the amount of games he's played, the injury history he's had. It would not surprise you if I don't think he's a guy that's going to let's say he just falls off a cliff and goes from being a first line center to, a solid three C, right? I don't think it's going to drop off like that, but I think the bigger worry or concern is that the injuries actually catch up to him. And I mean, he's had this groin injury that has kind of plagued him for years now that he was able to avoid, but it's one of those things where it all it takes is one kind of quick movement, one thing to go haywire and it's stuck with them. I mean, you look at how good Bergeron that line was during the 2019 playoffs. I think it was game four against Carolinas so when he tweaked it you then go into the blue series where the O'Reilly line pretty much owned them. Now was it. Right. So again, uh, you, you're looking at another 82 game season with a guy who's going to turn 37 um or who's already 37. Like it's one of those things where you're just not playing with fire, but I think you have to go on with the expectation that, all right, Pittsburgh runs a hall of famer. He's defied a lot of maybe the narrative surrounding his career. I mean, he went out last year and had, arguably his best defensive season ever. Like could he once again win a selkie and be a 60 70 point guy? Of course, like at this point he's kind of proven it last year, but I think you just have to be pragmatic and realistic about it that if he's going to be a guy that gives you 40 points, not great and does not fit in line with what it is. But I also don't think that it's going to be like remember when like David Ortiz retired? And like he announced before the year, then went out and hit like what 320 with 38 home runs. Like, I don't think Bergeron attacked. 2016 year
0: for Ortiz was absurd.
1: Yeah, like I don't think it's gonna be a situation where Bergeron's gonna, you know, break the hundred-point plateau or something like that. <laughs> but if he can still once again be a guy that gives you 50, 60 points, uh great defensive numbers, uh that I mean the Bruins are gonna need it. It's not like a thing where it's like, well, that'd be great. It's like, no, you need to have at least that layer of of uh or that standard of production from a guy who's in such a pivotal role like that. It's just, you have to, I think, go with the expectation that whether it's five games, 10 games, like sooner or later, those injuries are going to catch up. So if you're the Bruins, you hope that if there is a blip, it's something, in the middle of the season, as opposed to something that could linger for an extended stretch, especially once you get to the playoffs.
0: If you're the Bruins and you want to really compete for a cup, I think you need Bergeron at like 60 points minimum. Yes. Um. Just given that he's your one, number, he's your one C like, and again, I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm not like, like I have him at like 60 to 65 points somewhere in there defensively. I mean, it's going to be hard to top last season, just given how good yeah. he was defensively. It's not like he's going to like stink, but what I'm saying is like, he was so elite defensively last year that like, it's very hard to top that at 37 years old. The other thing is he's going to have Mar- He's not, he's going to be without Marchand for the first one to two months of the season, which worries me because those two have been the dynamic duo for so long and they work together so well. So you wonder about that. You also wonder if this is his last year. And again, I don't want to look too far ahead because I know everybody's so happy that he's actually chosen to come back and he signed a one year deal. and That's great. But if he was close to retirement this season, going into this upcoming season, don't you think he's going to be even closer after this upcoming one? Like to me, it just feels like we're going to have, we're going to be in the same place next summer with him. And that's not a bad thing, by the way, like, again, they needed him back. What I'm saying is it would not surprise me if this is his final season. And again, that's speculation that is not reporting. Do not, do not tweet. No one tweet that out as reporting, but
1: it like he's wouldn't... just now like <laughs> that, that that gif of Birdman, where he's just like doing this. He's,
0: he's ready, he's he's ready to pounce. Um all those aggregation sites ready to pounce. Evan Marinovsky, yes. Bruin speech reporting. But uh, I do think that there's a chance this could be his last season. Uh, but again, 60 points as your number one center, captain, easing the transition for Jim Montgomery. Like it, it's it's a good thing he's back, and also the cap hit is very palatable so quite good. You can't yes. go wrong with that. Um but I do think that again he, he's coming back as your number one center. You need that. Uh, Brad Marchand Brad Marchand interesting case. Uh again has really in the past bunch of seasons been uh, if not the top winger or you know one of the top if not the top left winger uh in the game just how good he is. Um so he again he's going to be out for the first uh what is it 1 to 2 months of the year probably yes. sometime in like late November could be coming back hopefully for the Bruins. So uh the interesting thing with Marchand is you know he he's at, it feels like he's in his prime right now, right? Like this is his this is his time to be really good. And is it is he still in the middle of it or is he kind of getting to that point where you're getting to the end of that prime? And that's a scary thing. And what do you think? I mean, do you think that he's still in it?
1: Well, I think it's one thing where I think if he was completely healthy or he was coming off, let's say an offseason procedure, but it's, you know, to clean up the knee or arthroscopic, something like that. It's another, you know, uphill climb, you know, another tougher hurdle to kind of clear when it's surgery on both your hips at his age, right? I mean, I think he's 33 going on 34. Um, as you said, he's still, if he was completely healthy, I wouldn't see uh, any concern about his game just dropping off or something like that, even though he is getting up there, but I I still think you have to go in with the expectation that coming off of double hip surgery, let's say he gets back in November and that's right in the middle of that brutal stretch. We've talked about where they play, you know, Tampa and Colorado and all these teams, that's going to be tough to jump kind of right back into that thing. And who knows, this is the same guy who, uh, you know, as soon as he had that hernia surgery a few years back was reinvigorated and was excited and said it's best he's felt in years and played like it, you know, when he finally got back out there on the ice, maybe this is something where if these hip issues have been bothering him for years, he comes back and uh, plays like a renewed player and doesn't really have much of a drop-off. But again, it's kind of like the Bergeron thing where I think as much as you can be optimistic and, you know, if there's any, ever a guy who would, probably take the challenge of coming off of double hip surgery and answering the call. It's probably a guy like Brad Martian, but again, I think you just got to be pragmatic and realistic about it, that it would not come as much surprise if he's a little slow out of the gate, just considering the severity of the injury that he's trying to overcome here. So again, it's one of those things where would the Bruins love for him to be the Brad Martian who, if it was an 82 game season would be in line for hundred points, of course. And you kind of need that. You need him to be an elite, top 10 wing in the game, uh, especially in that role in the lineup. But I still think there's a little bit of a question mark there in terms of, are you getting that same elite player? Or are you getting someone who's very good, but needs to take a, a good amount of time to shake the rust off, which I think is probably going to be the case at least early on.
0: Yeah. And again, there's no preseason for him. So You're jumping right into action. I mean, again, last year, 80 points in 70 games. He's been over a point-per-game player since 2016-17. I think he'll still be over a point-per-game player. I think it comes down to just how much. Again, like he had 179 games uh, back in 2018-19. So I do think, you know, somewhere around an 80-point pace would be good out of him. Again, I'm not saying for the season. I'm not gonna have 80 points in like 45 games. That you know would be.
1: It's not Jake Russ 27 goals per game, as I <laughs> 27 said. 27 goals per game and poke the bear. That was a <laughs> bit of a misspoke there, Evan. A little bit of yes. a slip up.
0: Yes. Well, no, I, I think I think there was a sincere prediction in there that you're trying to hide. You got to own up to it. You got to say, you know what, Lock he's going to get 27 points per game. Uh, But I do think Marshan's a guy who penciled an 80 point, 80 point pace. You know, again, I think uh as you said, like if he truly feels a lot better after the hip surgery maybe you get a again reinvigorated brad martian because didn't he say something uh a couple like a year or two ago i know you mentioned you alluded to it but he said something along the lines of like i've been playing it something like 70 percent or there was a percent he gave that was like yeah. oh you've only been playing at that like now mm. it's going to be ridiculous and uh so again i There's Bergeron and Martian are so paramount to success for this Bruins team. And it's unfortunate for the Bruins that they're going to be without Martian to begin the year because I do think with this roster, now you have Bergeron and Krejci down the middle, and like everybody seems to be, if everybody was healthy, it's actually a fairly solid roster. It's that you're missing some guys for quite a while. That makes it's in it the final
1: league. pieces. Yeah, that top six, if everyone's healthy, as you said, is legit, but you need yes. kind of the engine that makes it roll is a guy like Marshan, who can change momentum with uh in the offensive zone on a PK shift, you know, with a, a hit, you know, all those things. You're gonna miss a guy like that to be kind of that spark plug, especially early on.
0: Yeah, you're gonna miss that a ton. Speaking of the top six, David Posternak. Uh, Posternock's an interesting one because he was supposed to hit 50 goals in 2019 20 and then the pandemic hit and i remember you had a ton of uh like 50 like 50 goal content ready to go and then you had to adjust and tough things stupid stupid pandemic that was the worst part of the covid pandemic no 50 goals stupid. Possible. sure so that's, that's what some are saying yeah um, sure people are saying
1: in the streets <laughs>
0: In the streets, uh, and that's the reason you don't want another pandemic. Remember, I think we spoke to Bear. You said no more pandemics.
1: That's so, the main. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that is that the, is the primary reason.
0: That was the primary reason David Poshnar couldn't hit fifty goals. But is this the year, full season of Poshnar? Is this the year that he finally hits fifty?
1: I mean, the kind of the stars are aligned in terms of. I think you look at what Poshnar's basic skill set is, which shouldn't erode anytime soon in terms of that release. I think he should benefit from. A full year, gnarly next to David Craitsy, who he's got great chemistry with, who will be able to, I think, consistently generate more offense on that second line as opposed to maybe a guy like Halla. Um, and I think also a full season next to Taylor Hall can only help as well in terms of their ability to kind of play off each other on the rush. Hall's a, a great passer as well. Um, a full 82-game stretch with him, if Montgomery commits to it, I think can only lead to good things. I think you look at uh, the Bruins and their willingness to maybe change up that power play a little bit, whether it's, you know, maybe giving Gala uh reps on the first power play as well. I think there's just other avenues for the Bruins to complement and get more out of what is a pretty established skill set for David Pasternak. I mean, you look at his year last, and you know, it was pretty slow out of the gate, um, but he's still, even with that kind of slower stretch to open the air, still finished with 40 goals, right? This is a guy who can kind of fall out of bed and score 35, 40 goals um, without, you know, having any extended slumps or anything like that. But if he gets going, I think 45, 50 goals is perfectly within reach, which for the Bruins, you better slam to a contract before that happens. Cause it's not great to have a guy maybe score 50 goals right before he hits the uh, open market as a free agent.
0: I will tell you, if he goes into the season without a contract, he's going to have like 70 goals. Of course. That's, yes. That's, that's exactly what's going to happen. Um, yeah, I expect him to be somewhere between 45 to 50 goals. As you said, perfect opportunity with David Krejci in the middle. They want to play together. Pasternak was basically assistant general manager this summer. Um, so again, I think he does love the Krejci's in the middle. Taylor Hall's a terrific passer on the left side. As you said, stars should align. Now it'll be interesting to see how Montgomery handles the top six at the beginning of the season without Marshan, and even with Marshan, does Pasternak still stay down on second line or does Montgomery, who said in the past he likes those three together. Again, this was a few years back now, but he loved the, loves those three together. Maybe he puts them up with Marsh and Bergeron again, which, again, still yields lots of results for David Pasternak personally. So, um, again, somewhere between 45 to 50 goals, I think, is a good, uh, is, is a good area for uh, David Posternock to be in. Uh, Charlie McAvoy, an interesting one. Charlie McAvoy, uh, outstanding season last year. Third in the Norris, uh, or was it fourth? Was he third was he, or fourth?
1: I think he was third, wasn't it? No, he was fourth, right? Because it was Hedman. It was Headman and... Uh, Makar you know, and Yossi? Yeah, Makar won. That's right. That's right.
0: Oh, I, know, I know
1: that. Of course, yeah. Just, had, like, a, just like, had to remind you, Evan.
0: Just like UMass just won number one dining. So it's, it's uh, number ones all over the place in UMass these days. Um, but Charlie McAvoy, outstanding season, improved off of finishing up fifth the year before fourth last year, I believe 56 points this past season. You know, I don't think McAvoy is ever going to be this, you know, nine, you know, 80 point a year guy. Um, But you know, when he comes back after his injury, I would expect him to pick up where he left off. I would expect, I mean, again, you don't want to put points on a defenseman, but somewhere around a 60 point pace, again, pace, I'm not saying like 60 points, but I'm saying a pace of like 60 points or so over an 82 game stretch. Um, and being a shutdown number one defenseman, but I'm curious, what else is there? What what else is there from him? Like, what is the next step for him?
1: Yeah, I think the only real step he needs to reach is probably just more consistent power play production, and maybe just a little bit higher point totals. And again, it's kind of unfortunate because I th- think even when he gets back from this injury, he's probably has another tier to reach. But the fact that he's missing probably the first five, six, seven weeks of the season is probably going to impact how legitimate he's going to be as a Norris candidate. Cause I would imagine he'd be right up there. Again, you've got guys like Makar and Fox and these guys that are kind of in his way that are probably not going away anytime soon. Like it wouldn't surprise me if uh McAvoy years, you know, looking ahead, he has 60, 65 points, maybe 70 points, which is fantastic for everything else he brings. But I think it's fair to assume that a guy like Makar is going to, probably pop 100 points one of these years, and he's going to still be, uh, you know, the runner up or in third place or what have you. So it's tough in that regard in terms of the national recognition. But yeah, I think in terms of what he still has to, to offer, I mean, he's a shutdown defenseman. He's great in transition. He ov- obviously took a huge step this past year in terms of his offensive game. But I think if he gets more comfortable running the power play, he's a guy that I'd assume should benefit more from uh Montgomery and John Gruden um you listen to what both those coaches have said in terms of one avenue they want to focus on is more shots from the blue line either at even strength or on the power play a guy like McAvoy who's had a reluctance in the past to shoot but has that skill set you have to imagine they try to coax more of that out of him so I think he's still a guy that has more to give in terms of the offensive game so if it was a full ADG game season yeah I would go into it expecting him to be a Top three Norris finalists, a guy that could hit 60, 65 points. Um, but like kind of many other guys, like the same with Martian. you still have to, I think, put that little qualifier ahead of it that he's still coming off of a surgery that's requiring, you know, five, six months of rehab to get back on the ice. So um, I think expectations still be high. He's a young player who's, you know, every year he's kind of set a new ceiling in terms of what his overall skill set should be, but um, you, they're going to absolutely miss him to open the air because he does a little bit of everything for this team in every area of the ice.
0: Yeah, and I think that's where Hampus Lindholm has to step up a little bit uh, to start the year, given that he's going to be the number one and he's going to be on the power play and he's going to be killing penalties and kind of stepping in for McAvoy uh, in that sense. But I, I think a lot of Bruins fans feel good about Charlie McAvoy. But when you really want to feel good, you want to hear about our next partner, which is a product I literally use every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted better gut health and more energy. I don't drink coffee or use caffeine because I wanted healthier, natural energy. And AG1 has that in droves. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy or anything either. It has a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to each morning. Can't beat it. Uh, So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75, 75. High quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. Special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All the things. It's lifestyle friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy free, or gluten free, it contains less than a gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting really good. This all supports better sleep quality and mental clarity. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health. And arm your immune system with a convenient daily nutrition. And it's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and, and five free travel packs for your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash Bruins. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash Bruins take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Thank God I have you to be like the interpreter. Of no, I'm what the I'm, mime.
1: I'm not doing, I'm just, <laughs> the guy just stuck in the wall. This Evan does an actual legitimate ad read.
0: <laughs> it works out perfectly. It's a good yes. team. People love us together doing that stuff. Um, another interesting expectation one is David Krejci. Uh, which again, I did a video on, I think it just dropped uh, on Monday, but, uh, is an interesting case. And we've kind of hit on this a little bit when we were talking, you know, when he signed or to expect out of David craigie I think my point total, I have him at is somewhere around like 58 points. Um, just given that again, he's been out of the NHL for over a year at this point, he is older than he was when he left. That's how aging works. Maybe he has, he's got to take athletic greens. That's what he's got to take. See, if he takes athletic greens. He's going to like, you know, he's going to be like 25 out
1: there. Stratosphere. Oh, course. crazy.
0: 0809 David Krejci. Um, uh, which I still think is his highest point total. It's like 0809 was like his his best year.
1: Like I could be se- wrong. Yeah. It was it 70, was a 70 plus points. That's It sure. was
0: quite the year. Um, that was when it was like Blake Wheeler and like Michael Ryder is his yes. line mates. So it was uh he was he was really working with something over there. But uh what do you expect? What should the Bruins get out of David Krejci this year?
1: Yeah, I think perhaps I'm being just overly optimistic, but I think he's a guy that could easily hit 70 points, 70 plus points if he's healthy. You know, like as much as I think people talk about the fact that uh yeah, he's another year removed from the NHL ranks. He played against farmers, whatever agricultural Llamas. occupation, yeah, <laughs> that you said he played against last year. I think again, you look at his skill set and what he brings. It's not something that necessarily ages out in terms of his ability to control the pace. Uh, uh, to shield the puck, to uh, slow the pace down, his playmaking ability. It's all still going to be there, except what do you know? He's also going to have arguably one of the best pure scorers in the league on his right side and his left side, a guy in Taylor Hall, who if he probably rolled with Pasternak and Eric Hall the entire year, was on pace for, I think, 78 points over a full season. Pretty good. So I think you combine that, even if David Craigie is taking a step back, you look at his supporting cast – um, it's almost like the inverse of what has primarily been David Krejci's career for the last seven, eight years in Boston, where even maybe he's the the third wheel, I guess, or the the guy who maybe has the least amount left in the tank. You look at just what the talent is around him. He plays his game, and you know, is the David Krejci that we expect. He's still going to rack up the points, and it's not even counting maybe how Jim Montgomery looks at the power play. You know, is David Krejci going to get? reps at the point, maybe on the power play, like, again, we don't really know how they're going to augment that, but that's a pretty, uh, that going with, you know, five forward, especially maybe when McAvoy and Grizzly aren't out there, very plausible scenario. So I think it's, it's easy to map out a situation where a guy like Krejci could get 60 plus points so long as he stays healthy. I mean, I think the cast around him is there.
0: Yeah. It's again, I think the the good situation for the Bruins is it's not like David Krejci coming in to be between like Nick Ritchie, and Jake DeBrusque, Yes. Again, like he's coming in with two real legitimate threats on both flanks. So I do think um is going to have a good season again, just avoiding the injuries and making sure he hasn't lost a step. Again, I think I said this to you. Maybe I said this like not when we we're recording, but like, what if David Creech was out there and it's just terrible? Like what if Creech is like, not great? <laughs>
1: this is not Evan, David It would not, be, would not be swell. <laughs> it would, it not would, be not be be, would not be very fun. be no.
0: No, it wouldn't go over very well if David Craigie goes out there and it's just like, or like he did, pulls a Tuka Rask and he's like, you know what? I want to be a team ambassador. I don't want to. I don't want yeah, to golf anymore. Yeah. And and by the way, Tuka Rask is the time of his life. Uh, yes. So, I mean, I really can't. I can't hate on that, um, at least right now. But uh, with the goaltending, I'm going to put them together because I think that only makes sense. Jeremy Swayman, and Lena Saltmark, because I don't think either has or last season solidified like, Oh, I'm the starter and I'm the backup. Like I think it is going to be the exact same uh, makeup as they had last year where they are basically a tandem. They're going to struggle at points. They're going to be really good at points. One's going to pick up the other and vice versa. And again, I know that's a lukewarm take, but I do, I, I don't see like Jeremy Swayman completely just taking the number one job. I don't see Omar just grabbing the number one job. Um, Again, I think Swayman had 41 games last year. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I for him, 2.41 goals against average, 9.14 save percentage. Omar was 2.45 goals against average, but a 9.17 save percentage. So they were basically almost equal when right. you actually just like leveled out the season. Uh, do you see any difference? In the season? Does one regress? Does one take a huge step forward? What happens?
1: I mean, I think you should have the expectation that a guy like Swayman, who's that young but has showed promise, should build off of uh, you know, what he showed this past season. But is it to expect him to all of a sudden go from promising goalie to Vesna candidate? I don't think so. You worship
0: Sturkin. <laughs> yeah, that'd
1: be great if that happened. And he has the skill set and the poise to to take a really big step forward and assert himself as a top 10 goalie, which the Bruins would be thrilled about. But I think naturally you just, you expect him to continue to improve work on his game, but it all comes back to the kind of the structure the Bruins have in place there with him and Omark. where I think we didn't expect Omark's going to be as advertised as a steady goalie, a guy who's been around the league, that if he has a structured zone defense in front of him should help him out. Um, again, as you said, I don't think you're going to have a big disparity in terms of the reps. I imagine whoever wins the starting job, I think it's still going to be 55-45, right? As, as all goes well. Um, even if, you know, I, I think for Montgomery, it's all about kind of riding the hot hand. And if a guy like Swayman hits a bump in the road, which is to be expected as a young goalie, you have Allmark there to kind of bail you out. That's kind of what Uh, why Olmark was valuable, as people talk about that contract. But whenever he hit a heater, it was exactly when the Bruins needed him to. Like I think there was, you know, Swayman struggled. We had that stretch in uh, December where they were in a low where he was, uh, you know, bailed them out quite a few times. I don't expect that to change in terms of what Olmark brings. It's I think the biggest variable is just how much more you can expect out of Swayman, which I think he will be better. It's just what tier is he going to reach?
0: Yeah. And I also wonder about the defense in front of him. Because again, no McAvoy, no Grizzly to start the year. That doesn't help things. So, and no. also you have a new coach. And I don't, again, I think they're probably going to stick with the zone defense, but you wonder if they're little tweaks. So I do, you know, again, you wonder are there going to be defensive breakdowns that lead to more high danger chances for the other team. It's something to think about. Again, I'm not saying that that's absolutely going to happen. Because um, again, you still have Lindholm and, you know, hopefully for them, Carlo takes a step forward again. And you know, you've got other guys there, Derek Forbert, but you know, you're going to have Jakob Zboro probably getting consistent minutes coming off a torn ACL. You know, you wonder. So, again, I would expect Swayman to take some sort of leap forward. That's, what I think, what they would like. <laughs> Actually, not. I don't think that I know that. So, I think they would much uh, like to have Swayman take a big step forward. Safe bet, though, that Swayman and Omar are going to share the net as they did last year. But when we're talking really safe bets, talking about good friends over at Bet Online, our partners over at BOL continue to be. The number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports development, including this year's Major League Baseball scores, the latest fighting news, next season's early NFL futures, and NBA and NHL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all uh, your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online. Where the game stats? Where the game stats? So, uh, final two players: Jake DeBrusque and Fabian Lysel. We'll start with DeBrusque. Uh, I think I said this a few times now. I expect DeBrusque to have 30 goals. I this is every the the ingredients are there for Jake DeBrusque to put up 30 goals because I do think you know if he is next to Patrice Bergeron, uh, whether that's uh, you know, or if maybe he's on the left side. Someone else on the right, maybe it's Fabian Lysell, maybe it's Craig Smith to start the year, Um, whoever it is, Pavel Zaka on the left, DeBrusque on the right, when Marshan comes back, and if it's Marshan, Bergeron, DeBrusque, or it's Hall, Krejci, DeBrusque, I think there's ingredients there for success, and I think success for him is 30 goals, what do you think?
1: Yeah, no, I I mean, listen, Evan, per my last podcast, I said Ooh, he was scoring yes. 27 goals per game. So 30 just be over better, season yeah, would be terrible. Would be exactly. 27 a game is what we're talking. Exactly, but being realistic this time, yeah, I think he's a guy that you look at the way he played last year, um, I think should reinforce the fact that he has that skill set to be a guy that can give you 25, 30 goals. And if you want this team to be successful, you're going to need him to. I mean, that's something that we talked about last week that – why a guy like DeBrus is probably the most consequential guy in the top six, because he's the one, I think, elevates you into that tier of, all right, you already have a very, very good top six when guys are healthy with Bergeron, Amarshan, Hall, Krejci, Pasternak, but if Debrusk goes out there and gives you 25, 30 goals as well, that's a matchup nightmare in terms of how they're playing, and if, again, it's not like Debrusk has this other level of his game he needs to reach, it's all about, I think, just sticking with what worked last year, right? Like, it's not like he as much as the production finally broke through for him, was he like reinventing the wheel? No, it was like going back to kind of what we saw early on in his career, right? Where he's just driving to the net, putting himself into great A ice, cashing on rebounds, uh, generating those high danger chances. And if you're going to give him more reps with guys like Marchand and Bergeron and maybe Krejci or more power play reps at the net front role, maybe, I think it can only help out in terms of he stays playing that style of game that we've seen him do multiple times in spurts as long as he can keep that consistent over the course of a year, I think he could like fall backwards into 25 goals. If he keeps up that level of play.
0: Yeah. Again, you saw the confidence last year and even getting the bounces, right? Just getting to those high danger areas produced results. So, again, that's what I would expect out of DeBrusque. Lysel is an interesting case. I don't expect 27 goals per game from Fabian Lysel. I'll admit it.
1: Let's I mean, be realistic here. We have, 30, to, we have to, 30 goals per game. 30
0: goals. Okay. Oh, I was thinking more well, like 23, just a young okay. guy, 23 okay. goals per game right. for Fabian Lysel. I'm going go okay. to yeah, yeah. go conservative on this. Yeah, I'm um, going to go conservative on this. But I'm going to go conservative on my expectations for Lysel this year. I think he's going to start the year in Providence. I think he's going to completely light it up. And I think throughout the year, he's going to be brought up to the Bruins. Uh, cause again, I, I, he is a top six player, unless, as we talked about with Craig Smith, unless they say, Hey, you know what? We can dump Craig Smith and put Lysell in for him and we'll get the same or better results instead of the future. Maybe they do that, but I don't see a spot on the roster right now that he truly fits in. Cause again, you could bring him up for the fourth line if you'd like, but I think he'd be better suited to play 20 something minutes a night in Providence rather than. 12 to 14 minutes up in Boston on the fourth line in a situation where like, that's just not his game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would expect him to be brought up throughout the year when they need him. And at some point he's going to find a spot. Maybe that's next, you know, most likely next year. What do you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think for as much as I think Bruins fans are excited to see what he can offer at this next level. I think patience is the most important thing because, and I think the Bruins where they're in this win now window would it be great if Lysel hits immediately and puts himself as a Calder trophy finalist? Yeah, of course you'd love to have that helping up this team, but you also, cool. you don't need him to, to be a guy that you have to slot into the top six. He's not the guy that's going to determine whether this club is competitive. If he has more to give, that's great, but Uh, you also have guys like, as you said, Craig Smith in place on the third line that can fill that role that I think we both expect should bounce back this year if he stays with the team. Like, I think you have to give Lysel the amount of time he needs down in Providence to learn the ropes, to get those top six minutes. I think you even saw, as good as his production was at World Juniors, you saw a guy that, Still needs to put on some weight. Still needs to add some muscle. A guy that I think he went up against, kind of bigger teams, was still kind of kept to the outside quite a bit. Um, that you know he should learn those reps down in Providence. So if he has 30 points in his first 14 games in Providence, yeah, then you maybe have to augment your plans for him and look at maybe moving a guy and give him a spot. But you're not you're not in a situation where you need him to hit immediately this year. Uh, to be the, the guy that puts you over the top. It would be great if it happens, but I think if you're a Bruins fan, you should be happy with him getting those reps in Providence, learning the program pro game at that level, and then seeing kind of what builds from there.
0: Yeah. Don't rush his development. Don't rush this. Like just let it happen. There's no need to thrust him into, Hey, can you be on our top line and put up like 50 points? Cause we really need that right now. That would be, that wouldn't be fun for Fabian Lysel or anybody for that matter. Uh, But you know, it is fun subscribing to Boston sports journal. What can the people look forward to over from you at BSJ?
1: Yeah. We're going to keep all of our loyal readers uh, busy throughout the off season in terms of looking at the remaining question marks for this roster, as much as, the signings and free agency and all that stuff are pretty much over and done with now. There's still a lot of looming questions over how to best get production out of this team, especially in the early going. So we'll dissect all the important questions with training camp around the corner. So please subscribe over at bostonsportsjournal.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter as well. You can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93.
0: Go do all that. I'm Evan Marinovsky. Bruins, listeners. Have a great rest. of your week.